Uh, welcome to those of you who are watching online. We're glad you're here. Uh, it was so nice to have another baby dedication. Uh, the parents are all in. We get to um, just um, showcase the family. Uh, the church gets to bless and affirm. And uh, I really appreciate the words of hope that are shared in prayer and uh, prophetically. Uh, that part especially reminds us to trust God who holds our destiny. You know, when we depend on God uh, to build our house, our labor will not be in vain. You know, whether it's your life, your family, our church, your business, or our island, when God is first, there is a blessing. Unfortunately, uh, the opposite is also true. Uh, when God is not honored, then the blessing is absent. And if you just look in the world around us, as you see what's happening, everything from the global pandemic to nations in political turmoil, our world is in desperate need of light. Now, what do I mean by that? The world is in desperate need of the light of God's presence, in desperate need of the light of God's power and the light of God's love. Because we're in a unique situation right now, um, a unique situation where division and tension are on the rise. Division and tension. And do you know why? We have a new phenomenon, something that has never existed before. This new phenomenon, it takes advantage of what you like and it gives you more even if it's not good for you, even if it's not good for the people around you. Do you know what it is? It's called a personalized media feed. Personalized. You don't even have to subscribe. The algorithm will do it for you. A computer will analyze your online activity, and then it will, give, it will offer you suggestions based on your clicks. Just yesterday, I was looking for a mortgage calculator online. And right after that, actually for the rest of the day, I got ads all day long for mortgage loans. In minutes, just like that. In this online feedback, our personal views get reinforced by watching and reading things that we like. In your personalized media feed, your ideas about what you like, they're not tested. They're just validated. Your ideas about what you like are not challenged, just reinforced. And so it's easy to think that I'm right and those who have the other view are wrong. And, you know, it's not that, um, you know, they're oblivious of the other side. Um, people know both sides. The problem is the things that we like get highlighted and the other things get minimized. And the result is that we become polarized over many issues. For example, we have greater tension between ethnic groups. Not so much here on Guam, but you read the news, you read it around the world, there's greater tension between ethnic groups. 
there's greater tension in politics. You know, we watch the news and we look at those Democrats or we look at those Republicans and we say, how could they be so stupid? Don't they know what I know? And the answer is no, they don't. They're operating from different information. And your personalized media feed has a lot to do with that. For example, if you're on the left, uh, you will read and hear how election reform is all about racial discrimination. If you're on the right, you will read and hear how election reform is about election integrity. And these personalized media feeds create more tension between people on the left and people on the right. Just this week, a Facebook whistleblower spilled the beans that Facebook is aware of all of this, but they have chosen profit over people. And now, there's an even greater tension between big tech and government oversight. Speaking of government oversight, there's tension about the government's response to COVID. How do you navigate fear and safety with personal freedom? How do we fix the supply chain? What are the effects of isolation? Domestic violence is up. Suicide is up. What is the effect on our children's education? What will happen when your high schooler, a senior, takes the SAT in contrast to students whose campus did not close down and those students were able to go to class. How's that going to pan out for the kids who stayed home half the time? All of this is a way of saying to you, the world is in desperate need of light. Today's message has two parts. The first part is God's light for us. God's light for God's people in these challenging times. The second part is God's light for those who don't know him. So let's start with us. Let's start with the church. How can we be real about real issues, but not let those issues become more important than people? In other words, how do we balance truth and love? Here at Life in the Sun, uh, we have a way. If you go over to the visitor table there, you'll see a little brochure um, that tells about who we are and what we do. And in this handout, uh, there's a quote uh, by one of the church forefathers. Uh, his name is St. Augustine. St. Augustine uh, was born 300 years after Jesus. Uh, he was a theologian, a philosopher, and a church leader. And he made an important statement, and we printed that statement in our church handout. And this is what Augustine said. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Now, what was Augustine talking about? What are the essentials? The essentials are those things that are most important. Do you know what that is? The most important thing is whatever determines your eternal destiny. Jesus said, that's the most important. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom you sent. You know, a lot of people, they think of eternal life in terms of time. But Jesus described it in terms of a relationship. He said, it's all about who you know. Who you know determines your eternal destiny. Here on Guam, you know, sometimes we joke about having connections. You know, we say it's about who you know. (laughs) Turns out it's biblical. (laughs) No, not really. It's not the same thing. (laughs) Now, what else determines your eternal destiny besides who you know? The other essential is about how you get to heaven. Is it all about what you do? Like, if your good outweighs the bad at the end of your life, do you get to go to heaven? Is that how it works? Or is it about what Jesus did for you? And trusting what he did for you. Hmm. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Two things, and only two things, will determine whether or not death takes you up or down. It's all about who you know and who do you trust. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask you if you got the vaccine. That's a non-essential. We can disagree on the vaccine, but in the essentials, let there be unity. In the non-essentials, Augustine said, let there be liberty. So we choose to respect each other's decision about non-essentials. And this is how we navigate our differences and maintain the unity that we have in our relationship with God. And lastly, Augustine said, in all things, let there be charity. Charity is an old English word for love. We're talking about the light of God's love for us and the church during these challenging times. His love, his heart, enable us to preserve unity in our relationships. Unity, liberty, charity are hallmarks among God's people. But what about the people who don't know God? People outside the kingdom of God, you know, they're not interested in some third century theologian and whatever it was that he said. That doesn't matter to them. You know, they might be asking things like, hey, where is my rise check? And that's okay. I'm actually asking the same question. (laughs) But there's more to life than money. And so how can we be a light to those who don't know the Lord? Here's an example from an amazing story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Um, I'll read the account in Acts chapter 8, just 11 verses. But as I do, I'd like you to consider this question. How was Philip used by God to engage someone who didn't know God? How was he used by God to reach out to someone who didn't know God? And so keep that in mind as we read through um, Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 25. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. And they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, 
a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. And seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. And so Philip ran over, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And so, now coming back to our question, how did God use Philip to reach out to someone who didn't know the Lord? Now, from the story of Philip, we learn several things. Here are some observations. Number one, God wants us to join what he's doing. He wants us to join him. The angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, Philip had no idea who he would meet. He had no idea what that person would be thinking at the moment that he met him. But God knew. I'm so impressed with Philip um, by this next point, which is, when God leads, follow. When he leads, follow. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside besides the carriage. Uh, you know, the, the Lord actually said, go over and walk along. He ran to be a part of what God was doing. Um, I'm so impressed with him. He didn't perform psychological, psychological gymnastics and start wondering, Lord, is that really you? Is that me and just my own thoughts? No, the Bible says he ran to be a part of what God was prompting him to do. You know, it reminds me when I was a kid, you know, we could be somewhere in the neighborhood and my dad would whistle and we would come running. We would sprint all the way back home. And there's just something about, you know, children and their relationship with their parents. And when the parent calls and the child comes, you know, there, there's something beautiful there and just the childlike trust that we have. And Jesus said, in our faith, in our trust, in our relationship with God, there needs to be a similar childlike response. When God leads, follow. The third observation is this. When someone is interested in God, tell them the good news about Jesus. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Another observation is while you're making yourself available, trust God is at work as you join him. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Now, you might ask, 
How is that an example of God at work? How do we not know that maybe the eunuch just wanted to be baptized on his own? Well, we get some very important insight from Jesus. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And in contrast, the Apostle Paul said another important insight. He said, there is no one who seeks after God. That was in Romans chapter 3. You put those two together, and the picture is this. When you see someone who's interested in God, you are seeing God at work. So, circling back around, when you see that God is at work, join what God is doing in that person and trust him for the results. Now, joining God is actually an easy way of doing ministry. Because sometimes we can kind of make our own plans and have our own ideas and we kind of, you know, strive to make it happen. When you join what God is doing, it's already happening. I mean, he's doing the work. You know, our part is um, just to participate because he invites us. He wants us to be a part of him. It's kind of like a master mechanic on a Saturday morning working on his favorite car project. His little five-year-old boy comes walking out into the garage. He's like, hey, Dad, what you doing? He goes, hey, come over here. I'm working on my favorite project. He goes, "Uh, okay. He goes, take this flashlight. I want you to hold it right there while I work on it, okay? Now, that little kid, he knows nothing about combustion engines. He knows nothing about electronics, but the master mechanic does. But he wants his son to be with him and to participate. And so he's holding the flashlight. You know, you and I are more complicated than any car. We don't know how to fix people, but the master mechanic does. And sometimes he invites us to come alongside him and he says, hey, I want you to shine the light right here. I want you to give me a testimony right here. I want you to give me a verse here. I want you to give me a prayer here. And we get to participate. We have no idea what's going on in that person's life. God is the one who's at work, but he invites us to come and shine a light for a moment to be a part of what he's doing. Letting his light shine in a dark place and trusting him. Mm. Trusting him like the master mechanic to get the engine going in somebody's life So now they're operating on all cylinders. So that's an easier way to do ministry. Watch and see where God's at work and join him in what he's doing. A fifth observation. Help others take action to follow God. He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. You know, I was talking to one of our leaders here, Nita. She's one of the discipleship coaches. And last week, she was talking about inviting others to go with her to talk to people about their relationship with God because there's no substitute for experience. You don't really know until you go. It's not enough to talk about it. It's not enough just to send maybe a link for an inspirational message on WhatsApp. We have to be with people. Like Philip went to be with the Ethiopian and he helped him to take the next step. 80% of success is just showing up. As you talk with other people about their relationship with God, be sure to include the all-important question. Now, you want to be sensitive. You want to be listening to the Lord and discerning whether or not the timing is right. But if it's appropriate, don't be afraid to ask the all-important question, would you like to invite God into your life? 
If God's already been at work, they may be very ripe and ready. And if they are, go ahead and lead them in the salvation prayer. Our series is Light for the Nations. It sounds global. It sounds epic. It is. To the point that it may be hard for us to imagine ourselves involved in something like being a light for the nations. But let me remind you, I have a feeling Philip would have thought the same thing. Philip had no idea that in doing what God said, he had no idea that in walking down a dirt road and catching up to another traveler on that road, that he was going to be a light to the nation of Africa. That's how the church in North Africa got started. The church in North Africa was actually very influential in the church at large in the early days. Earlier, I quoted Augustine in our church handout. Guess where he was from? North Africa. Philip had no idea what God was going to do. All he had to do was do whatever God said. The same is true for you and I. And I'll close with this. If you have any doubts, if you have any hesitations about what you can do, just keep in mind, God knows what you can and what you can't do. He's the one who's doing the real work, like the master mechanic, and he invites you to join him, to shine a light. It's simple, and by trusting God, you can do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. What a great privilege to be alive, to have life, and for it to be redeemed in your son Jesus. And then on top of that, for you to invite us to continue the mission and be a part of what you're doing in other people's lives. Lord, that's just mind-boggling. Your grace is so great that you would reach down and restore us and invite us to be a part of your love and your grace in other people's lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to really trust that you're the one doing the heavy lifting. Lord, and just be faithful to do the little part that you assign us. Lord, help us to be available ask that you would enlarge us, that you would enlarge our hearts to embrace others, to love you, to love others. And Lord, in so doing, um, be that person that can shine a light and speak the truth and love in sync with what you're doing. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address maybe a few other people who may be here today as you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God, maybe that's something you've been thinking about lately. But you know that you've never actually made a conscious choice to invite God into your life. And if that describes you, but you would like to do that, I want to give you an opportunity. And it's real simple. It just starts with your desire and expressing that to God, which is what we call prayer. And so what I'll do in a moment is I'll pray out loud. You can pray along with me. Just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before I pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so I have a signal for that. If you would simply look up, 
when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that sounds like something that you would like to do, then go ahead and look up at this time and we'll pray in a moment. Here? Okay, here, yes, and here. All right, I see. Anybody else? Don't want to, oh, in there, yes. Don't want to miss anyone. Okay, very good. Uh, let's pray. God, I'm here. And I sense that you've been getting my attention lately. And Lord, today I'm making a decision to open up. I want to open my life to you. And I'm inviting you to come into my life. I invite your spirit of forgiveness into mine. I thank you for Jesus and what he did in taking my place. And I ask you to forgive me for things I've done. Lord, I ask that you would restore me. And if you're praying this prayer, just go ahead right now and just between you and God, take a moment to let his spirit come in. This is the moment he's been waiting for. God, I thank you for coming into my life. And I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. I ask that you would show me how to live your way. Lord, the way I've been going is not working so well. So I ask that you would show me your ways and make me the kind of person you designed me to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's pray and give a hand. Let's give a hand to those who prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, let me ask you, let me ask you to do two things. Number one, uh, tell a friend. Chances are the people that have been talking to you about, your, about God uh, made the same decision. You can learn together, grow together. Uh, and secondly, uh, we have something we'd like to give you. It's a, it's a booklet over here called One to One. It's free. It'll help you get started in your relationship with God. Sound good? All right, God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Thank you.